One thing you learn covering conflicts, whether you're on the ground or whether you are there yourself, is to look at the sources and to make sure the sources you're using when you're reporting, especially on conflicts, wars, revolts, rebel actions, terrorism, acts of violence, criminal activity, and especially politics, is to confirm your sources. War, like politics, often has many sources, and it is, after all, information that is the ultimate weapon, and the first victim in any conflict is often truth. So you listen to both sides and how they approach things. First, this is how the German news network, Deutsche Welle, is reporting about the situation right now in Kiev from one of their reporters who is there on the ground in Kiev as she reports back to Berlin. Given what we actually went through uh, last night, we had to uh, seek shelter ourselves to the uh, sirens going off, and in fact, uh, just like yesterday, shortly after 4 a.m., the first explosions were heard. The first explosions were heard. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I can. I can hear you loud and clear. Hello? Funny, I can hear you fine. If if uh, oh, if you can oh, hear okay. me, keep talking. Tell us okay, tell us more about the night and what you went through. There was an, thank you so much. Uh, there was an acoustic problem here. So it it was a terrifying situation tonight. As we had to shout, seek shelter ourselves, uh, we could only uh, keep up with the reporting from inside. Uh, there was a curfew in place, which still is in place, of course, from 10 p.m. until 7 a.m. And we just had to hunker down, just like everyone else, as you have seen in that report. People were trying to seek for shelter in the subway, the metro station. And in fact, as for this moment, we try to be keep, which is a challenge for itself. Just in front of me, traffic is building up. It's not just us who is trying to leave, but tens of thousands of people with us. Already appeared around 100,000 Ukrainians have exited or tried to exit uh, the roads that are still open uh, towards uh, the western part of Ukraine. But let me tell you, there's so many rumors at this point that some people really wonder, is it the right time to leave or is it better to stay put? So as you can hear, even the reporters who were there in Kiev are, are dealing with the confusion as naturally would happen during a crisis. The first victim, of course, as we mentioned, is truth. Now, not far away from Kiev, in the uh, supposed region of Donbass, or the independent republics that the Russians are protecting, you have Russian television. And this is how they're reporting it for an international audience. Remember, obviously, if the Russians are going to be reporting something for their own audience, it would be in Russian, naturally. This RT, uh, Russia Today, or Russia Television, reports primarily in English when they're trying to reach a different audience, the English-speaking one, those internationally. Listen to how their reporter asks when asked about the special operations on day two by Russian forces. They're not using the word denazification anymore. They're using the demilitarized term when it comes to the situation in Kiev and also across Ukraine. Listen to this. 
Well, I've been following those reports uh, from Kiev here on the ground in Donetsk and tell you honestly, very conflicting reports. Uh, uh, first of all, we heard from uh, one of the officials in Kiev that uh, they shot down an enemy. This is Roman uh, Kozbev, uh, who uh, is uh, available at uh, Kozarev uh, on Twitter, uh, Kozarev underscore RT. So Roman Kozarev, this is what he's saying about what's happening from his perspective, from within the uh, area that is uh, uh, perceived to be friendly to Russia or the so-called uh, republics that have been recognized by President Putin of Russia. Aircraft. Then we heard uh, from the uh, mayor of the city uh, of Kiev, uh, uh, former boxer uh, Vitaly Klitschko, uh, that uh, there were three people injured as the result uh, of the debris falling on the on the residential uh, building. We heard from the. Uh, a local uh, emergencies ministry that at least 150 people had been evacuated. And now we're hearing that uh, a, a Russian cruise missile was shot over uh, Kiev, a missile destined for one of the military bases uh, in Ukraine. So very conflicting reports so, and uh, waiting on uh, some kind of a confirmation. But we have many different sides uh, saying many different things. So I guess watch this space for more confirmations. So you know, as, as Roman says, uh, that that's what that's what you're facing, obviously, when these things uh, occur. Now it, it's somewhat getting difficult also to to get the Russian side of it because uh, they've been taken down by hackers. Basically, this group called uh, Anonymous has come out and begun to uh, target uh, anyone who they feel is siding too much with Russia. Obviously, from my perspective, you know, as a journalist who's covered these things for years and years and years, I analyze these things, not because I'm siding with the Russians or with the Ukrainians, for that matter. Uh, I feel very sad for the people. Obviously, at the end of the day, the, the real victims here are the Ukrainian people uh, and, and their country that is, that is being hit by this invasion, which by no stretch of any imagination is anything but a violent action by one country against another country. The minute Russian forces crossed out of those disputed areas and began hitting targets uh, in the rest of Ukraine, uh, although it may be explainable as, as actions that the Russians say are similar to what the United States and NATO did in, in, uh, in Kosovo and other areas uh, during, during uh, peacekeeping operations there, this is an entirely different situation. Obviously, the situation, the NATO countries did when they went into the former Yugoslavia uh, and, and the, you know, that, that, that whole uh, balkanized uh, group of countries uh, was primarily to save lives because there had been ethnic cleansing, there had been mass rapes, there had been, uh, you know, mass killings. And so therefore the Russian argument that their operation is similar, there is signs that there has been violence in the Donbass region against ethnic Russians. That existed, yes, but not to the sheer scale as that of uh, what was going on in the former Balkan areas of, you know, Yugoslavia, Croatia, uh, and, and, you know, uh, Serbia, uh, the uh, Croat area, Croatia, the, uh, you know, the, the other areas of, of, of the former Yugoslav country. And uh, it, 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 
pales in comparison in the terms of sheer numbers and, and the orchestrated methods of what was going on. Now, the Russians have also spoken about Nazis. Do Nazis exist in Ukraine? Yes, they do. There, there is actually one small battalion that is made up of the descendants of people who formerly uh, came from uh, a tribe or a group of people that, that were once uh, anti-partisans. You know, they, in, during World War II, it's that far back, uh, there was a group that uh, uh, fought against um, the Russians, uh, who were then the Soviets, and fought against the Allies. And they existed, and, it, and that was true. You know, But these are descendants of that group. Now, they formed a small battalion, and they're fighting against some of these so-called breakaway uh, people. And uh, that, that group exists historically. Yes, it does exist. Is it directly connected with the Ukrainian government? Uh, hardly. Mostly this is a group that is not seen as pro-Ukrainian government as opposed to being anti-Russian. Uh, in terms of uh, the uh, Ukrainian president, he's Jewish. So it's hardly unlikely that the Ukrainian president would be siding with Nazis. Nor would Mike Cohen, uh, you know, C-O-H-E-N, uh, Michael New York, that's me. Nor would I ever side with anyone who followed that Hitler-created ideology. I mean, that's just plain and simple. That said, the Soviets were pretty mean to Ukraine themselves. <laughs> Number 17, the chuckle. <laughs> Number 22, the giggle. <laughs> Number 49, the chortle. <laughs> Number 56, the snort. <laughs> Number 61, the nasal burst. <laughs> Number 62, the sputtering burst. <laughs> Number 74, the cackle. The preceding laughter has been brought to you by George Slaughter's Comedy Club, the new TV show featuring the freshest faces in stand-up comedy. Number 117, the guffaw. <laughs> Number 117A, the guffaw with wheeze. <laughs> George Slaughter's Comedy Club, from the creator of Laughing. <laughs> You know, during that era, it's estimated that more people died in Ukraine from Stalin's actions than died uh, in the death camps of Europe uh, under, under uh, Hitler's actions. At least the levels were perhaps not as systematic, but they were severe both ways. And one may note that, that I was listening to, you know, uh, the reporting that, that is coming out of um, Deutsche Weather, which of course is, is a German state-sponsored broadcaster. And some people may wonder, why are you listening to Deutsche Weather? You know, <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's a different thing. Uh, but you know, you can also go to actually a crisis map 
believe it or not, there, there's a crisis map out there where you can go and look at exactly what is happening. And it's pretty up to date. And, and, and you can see, essentially, where and what is happening in Ukraine. There's actually a, a, a map that uses uh, open source information. And people put it in. It's verified by groups. There's groups that come out and they, and they look at this. And, and you can learn about what's going on. So you don't just have to rely on TikTok. Trying to repulse the attacks. Seven hours ago, we see a report that confirmed everyone's suspicions of how the Russian military doctrine would play out. The command and control point at Nezian Airfield was blown up. Blown up, according to the armed forces of Ukraine. A military invasion is underway. Here's a report on the border from 26 minutes ago. According to the Joint Forces Command in the Holokov area, the Ukrainian army used javelins and neutralized a column of 15 Russian T-72 tanks. We also have reports eight hours ago of a tank column entering Ukraine from Belarus. This means they're opening up a northern front. All early indications point to Ukraine putting up as much of a fight as they can muster, with one unit reporting that they destroyed two Russian tanks, two T-72 tanks already. When I deployed to Iraq, we nicknamed our squad Spare Parts because we were cobbled together from backfills who'd been out for years, reclassified soldiers, and brand new know-nothing rookies like myself. And in a way, the Ukrainian military reminds me of a spare parts army. So we're listening here, of course, to uh, the average infantryman's blog. He has a video blog that you can look at online. And uh, he's got a page on YouTube. I'm just listening to one of his reports or, or letting you listen to it. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, there, the, the, the uh, thing is filed under task and purpose. So you can, you can look at that account and... Uh, Take a look at what's going on as far as the average uh, infantryman's uh, uh, blog site or video blog site, and learn a little bit from his perspective about what is what is going on. And this is from a, a former veteran, a, a U.S. military veteran, not me, this guy, you know. And uh, I wish his name were on his site. I'm sure it is somewhere, but I can't seem to find it. My eyes are kind of tired. Hey, it's uh, what is it now? Early in the morning here in New York City. And um, aside from looking at this because I can't go to sleep to uh, having to stay up late because uh, I forgot to put my eye drops on time earlier because I have glaucoma, uh, there, there are different things that are going on at the same time for me. So uh, this is my cure for insomnia. Uh, I should be writing an article rather than just clicking on YouTube and doing things. Um, I've got a couple of articles that I'm actually working on. Believe it or not, I still do occasionally submit articles to kind, wonderful, beautiful editors who uh, allow me to still submit stories to them. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Taiwan saying that they have been repeatedly today, you know, uh, over the 24th and the 25th and the 23rd, warning Chinese aircraft that have been entering its air defense zone, particularly over the Kemoi Islands. And we're going to keep an eye on the Kemoi Islands. The Kemoi Islands are only 10 kilometers that is about six miles off the coast of mainland China. And these are a small group of islands uh, located in uh, Zihan, Zihan uh, area. I think, I think that's uh, near the Fujian coast, or, or rather, you know, right, right near the coast of Xiamen, I'm sorry, Xiamen uh, in, in, uh, in China. And uh, you can actually see it 
from from shaman you know you th th there's places where you can like put money in a, in a telescope and you know hey you look at the taiwanese from here you know and uh if you have a radio uh you can you can listen to the broadcasts that come from the island that bash the chinese uh, government at one time it was the opposite there used to be ferry boats that brought people from taiwan so they could climb up on this island and man the battlements and and look over at what was going on in china through telescopes to see the poor starving uh mainlanders well now it's the opposite except neither side is starving both are very rich and they control much of the manufacturing in the world so it's a very different situation now will china do something to try and take back these islands that is what is most likely seen as highly probable uh considering just how close they are do you know that it is closer to these taiwanese held islands in uh Xiamen, uh from, from the city of Xiamen. it is closer to them uh than it is to take the staten island ferry staten island is 16 miles offshore from manhattan it's a 16 mile trip whereas this one is six miles so it's closer by 10 miles you know it's that quick it is that near and and that tells you just you know um how risky the situation is should china ever want to take those islands there's really not much taiwan could do to keep them except fight and eventually though with the sheer weight of numbers it would probably be very costly uh for both sides and hopefully it won't go that way but it does not seem to be working out that way most likely at the end of the day as uh, some of my uh, friendly chinese friends here in new york city say they'll probably not invade but they'll just buy the islands from taiwan at some point finding a way to compensate them for it and being able to say they got them back that might be something well would vladimir putin do that whatever chance he had of some kind of working out of the situation like this is probably highly way past the zone of probability at this point in time let's take a look of course at some of the other issues that are cropping up at this hour obviously we're looking at you know uh, a lot of what is going on at this point in time we're looking at uh, a lot of what is being raised and, and part of the issues as you hear sirens in the background no i'm not in uh, in in an area uh where where this is going on in the ukraine but i'm going to come back with uh some reports from the uk's sky network and what is happening in uh the immediate vicinity of those areas currently uh under assault or under threat in the ukraine i'm mike of new york back for more after this reminder i get around when i talk on a southwestern bell cellular phone my voice is crystal clear that's amazing considering it's not really that clear in person i put a southwestern bell cellular phone antenna on my head and walked into a crowded restaurant 42 attorneys try to dial out on me. Southwestern Bell cellular service is so clear that when I talk to my girlfriend on my car phone, it's like she's right next to me. 
I can actually hear her withdrawing. Southwestern Bell Mobile has cellular service that's trouble-free. Then again, trouble is always free. No wonder more people go more places with Southwestern Bell Mobile Systems. Someday, Southwestern Bell will be able to break us down molecularly and send our bodies through cellular phones. This might be a long way off, but just in case, I'm getting a haircut. Southwestern Bell Mobile Systems. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's Blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week. And so, let's go now to Sky News and what they had to say or have to say about what's going on. Uh, this is a reporter who is uh, in the vicinity of uh, Kharkiv, which is another one of the large cities of Ukraine, and that is uh, very much under attack. He's talking to Mark, Mark Stowe, and uh, we'll see exactly what's going on right now as we listen in and hear what's happening. Yeah, hi, Mark. We were going to come to you just a few minutes earlier, but there was a lo long and loud barrage of what I believe is incoming artillery fire. Could have been rockets felt very close to the center of this one. Or if you can hear that. Can you hear that, Mark? Very... It feels very close to the center of the city. We are taking a position by the wall on the roof of our hotel. It's coming from the northerly direction. That is where we think the bulk of the Russian troops are. Our alarm's going off now. I have to say the streets are basically deserted. A couple of days ago, it was like any other city. Now it's completely deserted. A couple of cars trying to negotiate uh, the snow. If If a reminder were necessary that this city is in the process of being encircled by Russian troops. This serves as an, ex an excellent reminder of, of that. It's still going on, thud, thud, thud. It's like this drumbeat of war, reminding everybody that the Russians are close and moving in. But that is a very, I'm just gonna stop speaking for a minute. could be rocket fire it's very very quick very intense we're gonna move in very difficult to see because of the snow and actually the snow acts to muffle the sound this is a very intense bombardment 
so that's the latest show there from uh, Kharkiv. And uh, let's go back to Mark, and, and, and he's going to tell us who that reporter was, by the way. Sparks there in uh, Kharkiv. John uh, Sparks. Did he say four, John Sparks? Five hours drops. Uh, Mark, I've worked with before. Kharkiv, uh, the sound. Let's listen John again. Sparks there in yeah, Kharkiv, John Sparks, uh, which is about four, five hours drive uh, from here. Much, uh, it, well, it's about 25 or 30 miles from uh, the Russian border. And clearly, uh, that city too is uh, coming under attack. For so you know, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing, you know, the the extent of the uh, operations and, and what's going on. Um, they're, they're talking to different people. You know, some are in Warsaw, some are in uh, in other areas, and and you know, they have their coverage. And obviously, you can visit this online. You can just go to the Sky News uh, page on um, uh, online. And uh, it's Sky News UK. I mean, there's Sky News in Australia. There's Sky News in in uh, the uh, UK, obviously. And uh, Sky News, I believe, New Zealand. There is a Sky News Zealand. Or at least I was at one time. It could have gone away, for all we know. I really don't know anymore what's going on. An interesting conversation, also. Uh, uh, Mark did. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, Mark had a very interesting uh, conversation with a with a young lady who uh, who. Uh, uh, is in uh, uh, Kiev, uh, and uh, what it's like to be uh, a young woman uh, with a family, perhaps uh, in a city under attack. Make of what is happening to your country. And this night, it was a shelling of uh, Rush from Russian side. The rockets uh, reached uh, their uh, house block. So this is uh, human rights lawyer. Uh, her name. That's. Get her name here. To seek uh, uh, safety and where Alexandra uh, Matvichuk. Okay, Alexandra Matvichuk. Sorry to have to cut Alexandria off there for a second, but of course it's a different uh, uh, different thing. She is a human rights lawyer. Uh, Alexandria uh, Matvichuk. Uh, very long name. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, I'm not Ukrainian, nor am I Russian. I may have the DNA of a uh, those peoples inside me because of my grandparents and great-grandparents, but uh, it's, a, it's a totally different uh, situation. At least that's what DNA tests say uh, from, you know, generations ago. But, um, yeah. Um, so, Ms. Mathichuk. We're injured and the house was burnt. And uh, a lot of people spent this night in bomb shelling. Uh, so now uh, we also have alarm, uh, and uh, uh, in many districts of Kiev, we expect in a very, a very difficult hours and uh, this uh, and next days. And that's why Ukrainians ask the West to close the sky and help us to work on the ground. Yeah, I mean, do you, you must fear for what could happen in the next? few days and weeks i have no fear i i really i really tired but no fear so that's something to be heard uh you know a ukrainian lawyer alexander masvichuk saying there's no fear among their people it is a different feeling when uh, your country is under attack and what they have is rage you would almost say for uh, what is happening and uh, what has happened to them in the, 
in the in their country uh, as they come under attack. How would people react to that? What would the Ukrainian people do about that? If such a bad scenario happens, it will be very temporary scenarios because Ukrainians will not um, will will not be calm. And um, is there is something which West is underestimated because Western democracies for years live with a stable and effective democratic state institutions. Ukrainians never have su such luxury. That's why we a nation of self-organization and point of self-resistance will appear in hundreds and hundreds in Ukrainian society. Uh, Putin couldn't uh, couldn't uh, save the control, I'm sure. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to go into, you know, the, the, the length of this discussion because obviously it's uh, something you can watch on, on the Sky News page and what, what's happening there and uh, what's, what's going on. Uh, I'd like to go to another third party source that I'm fond of looking at. You know, a lot of people say, well, why do you do this? Why do you jump around? To, uh, to so many uh, news networks, you know, to, to look at their coverage and, and see what they're doing when in fact, you know, these uh, situations are, are, are uh, you know, you could get one source. Well, yes, you could, but unfortunately that wouldn't be accurate. Um, when I used to do reports, for example, the BBC or Sky News or other ones, they always had this three source rule. We couldn't mention it categorically as something that happened unless we had three sources verifying and confirming it. Uh, otherwise, it would be alleged. But it was only when, uh, you know, it was, um, it, was Russian Federation. And, uh, it was only when, well, this guy keeps putting it, <laughs> it was only when, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, situation was clearly explained. That by by you know various sources and, and 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 the sources had to be independent. There had to be one was a primary source. Of, in that case, you know, obviously you could you could uh, um, uh, you know uh, do things and, and say things. But until you could actually uh, come up with something, um, you you couldn't exactly uh, claim things going on until you clearly uh, had it. Now, uh, Andrew Simmons uh, of Algiers, Al Jazeera, as we call it, uh, came up with this report about what is happening on the ground in Kiev right now. Well, right now with me, we, we're just coming uh, out of a, a, an air raid alert. Uh, there's been more airstrikes uh, uh, some distance away, but the authorities thought they were getting closer. Therefore, we were instructed uh, to come down. Now, give you an idea of the sort of situation that elderly people in a, in a, a profoundly difficult spot now because they're not sure what to do next. There's a mood here really of, well, desolation for for most of the faces you look at. And uh, it is uh, a, a really tough point now, 24 hours on, more than 24 hours on, where these people are having to decide what to do, um, whether to move back to their homes or try and make do in underground shelters. Uh, very hard indeed. And we're hearing now from Oberon, which you mentioned in your introduction, 
Oberon is uh, is a district uh, 10 kilometers from where we are. Uh, and the situation was quite critical because uh, there were armored vehicles in that district and Ukrainian forces were engaging them. And it was a residential district. It's, it's quite a busy place. A lot of people um, in their homes, a lot of people sheltering there in underground uh, areas, but uh, they were running for cover and they were running back into their homes. And then the Ministry of Defense put out an alert saying that with their Russian forces are 10 kilometers away from the center of the city uh, and that residents should try to resist anyone they suspected of being Russian. In other words, not just Russians who were actually wearing uniforms, but uh, also undercover Russians who are known apparently to be on the ground, well, acting as as, as agents or special agents, spies, but also saboteurs suspected. And there have been a number of incidents where arrests have been made uh, at gunpoint and uh, there's been exchanges of fire in some areas. But coming back to Oberon, the, that district is um, still ongoing, we're told. There is still fighting going on. And furthermore, it isn't, it's no longer a column of armory simply because uh, the Ukrainian forces actually mined a bridge which was coming into the city, that exploded just as the convoy apparently was starting to get across it. So that is probably why there's so much fighting going on. If that column behind is stuck, then then and they're calling in air cover possibly. We don't know the exact situation there at this moment because we can't get there. Um, furthermore, there have been a number of uh, airstrikes overnight a situation very critical uh, with also cruise missiles being used by the Russians and air defences really you know, pushed the limit. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Andrew. We're going to break away to uh, uh, Moscow now where the uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is speaking. Let's listen here. So, you know, we're going along with this and, and, and just going on as, uh, as they talk. Um, and uh, this is not too long ago, from, from about uh, 30 minutes ago, right now, as I'm recording this live. Uh, agree, free from the um, ag agreement not to uh, have nuclear weapons. But you read uh, the Budapest. This is Sergei Lavrov through an interpreter uh, giving a briefing after the Russian invasion of Ukraine on day two of the uh, special operations, as the Russians call it, to demilitarize Ukraine. Um, and in particular Kiev, as they try and uh, crush the uh, government that is uh, in the capital of that country. Uh, agreement. It doesn't contain any uh, obligation to um, uh, to the genocide, to maintain, uh, to confirm genocide against a Russian language, against uh, a lot of things which are part of the Russian culture and are part of the Ukrainian, uh, modern Ukrainian society, including the Orthodox Church, which he also, uh, uh, following the uh, President Poroshenko's path, uh, ruining, basically. Uh, we don't have any lack of uh, any... Uh, uh, possibilities that were lost by President Zelensky uh, uh, as to the uh, uh, security guarantees. We, we suggested that we discuss this, and he he knew that. Uh, the only thing that was the, the only condition that he had to 
has to fulfill the uh, certain treaties uh, under the auspices of OSCE. So nobody will be uh, strengthening his um, the, uh, security without any, uh, and his Western handlers uh, didn't want to uh, fulfill it either. And everyone was uh, saying that uh, the freedom of choice is sacrosanct, and uh, uh, we have to guarantee the security for Ukraine. That's why he's simply speaking, lying to you when he's saying that he he is ready to discuss his uh, neutral status. We suggested all sorts of. Uh, uh, situations and uh, options. The President Putin discussed this with President Macron. He said he said it directly, the expansion of NATO is unacceptable, but we want to search for some options, uh, some security options, which will be guaranteeing uh, the, the, the certain circumstances and uh, demands for Ukraine, for the European country and for the um, Russian Federation. And our initiatives on uh, uh, fulfilling the uh, uh, security guarantee are directed to the uh, search of the um, uh, security guarantees outside the, uh, the framework of the NATO membership. So we will know what, uh, what Zelensky was saying, so there's no need even to mention it. Next question, NDC. So the uh, NBC News Network is now asking a question uh, from this press conference. Minister, what is the aim of your uh, military operation? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, uh, Mr. Pres uh, Mr. Uh, Minister? Yes, we, we, we can hear you speak. Foreign um, uh, Minister, what is the aim of your military operation in order to um, overturn the democratically elected president of Ukraine, Zelensky? What is the plan uh, of getting out of this operation? You saying that you don't want to, you don't plan uh, to occupy uh, Ukraine, but when he, he, uh, Russia will be imposing their pro-Russian uh, politician, how do you uh, decide to uh, take out your troops? Uh, it's very strange that such a serious journalist uh, didn't uh, acknowledge the uh, yesterday's morning uh, President Putin's uh, address. Everything's fine. All the answers to your questions, they are in his appeal from uh, yesterday's morning. I want to call your attention that everything was said quite clearly. We do not see any opportunity and possibility uh, to recognize democratically elected government that does applies genocide to his own people. But tell me just uh, what, so we can understand what position are you basically covering this situation from? Uh, do you accept in your democratic society which the values of which you're, you're fighting? And um, uh, how do you how do you take the uh, ban on the language? Uh, which most of the population uh, or large part of the population of Ukraine speaks. How about the banning of um, uh, all sorts of education uh, to uh, learn Russian uh, from the year five in school? To ban 
using your mother tongue in uh, in everyday night life, uh, including going to the shops or to uh, to hotels or any other public spaces and places. Is it acceptable for the democratic society to uh, say that people who are uh, on a certain part of Ukraine, in this case of Ukraine, they they're not uh, real people, um, beings like he he uh, like President Zelensky called them. So basically, this is the uh, obviously the Russian position. We're not siding with them. We're we're playing it and recording it as it as it came in. So you know, obviously, I just want you to understand that uh, this is uh, recorded off of Al Jazeera. It was a live stream. I thought there would be something interesting. And it's pretty much a lot of rhetoric that is coming in. I'm, I'm recording this while uh, the sun is not yet up in New York City and just putting it out there for the sake of putting it out there and letting you hear what all the sides are at this point in time. Obviously, uh, there are reports of, of more uh, uh, military action activities and, uh, and things happening uh, in the uh, Ukrainian capital. Uh, this is a press conference that's taking place in Moscow from the, uh, uh, you know, from the uh, people there and uh, and what's happened. Now, uh, there, there have also been uh, a lot of reports about gunfire taking place, uh, you know, in the uh, capital of Ukraine itself, uh, in Kiev, and uh, much of it happening near the, uh, near the uh, government center. Uh, let's listen to that. Actually, at the moment, nothing is happening, but that is exactly what is worrying everyone here. And Nika Kamerman is just going to pan to you to show you a bit. So this is in uh, Kramatorsk in eastern Ukraine. Everyone here. And Nika Kamerman is just going to pan to you to show you we've been around this city. It is completely shut down. Uh, everything. Shops, businesses, barely anyone on the streets banks are shut down as we understand that there's no more money in the atm uh, machines and actually we were standing at a little while ago and police is very much on edge they came and checked on us and they told us to be very very careful uh, about the situation and to not trust uh, this calm now this part of the country was expecting that this whole invasion would have started here at the beginning. Well, that did not happen. But they say this is just a matter of time. Because so that's in Kramatorsk, which is in eastern Ukraine. And uh, sorry about that. I, I, I wasn't looking at the, uh, uh, at the uh, guides as, as they're talking about it. And uh, you can listen to some more years as they're going around that city. And now to uh, Charles Stratford, uh, who is near Mariupol in southeastern uh, Ukraine. Mariupol, for uh, your information, is along the coastal region of the Black Sea. So Mariupol, this is one of the, their reporters down there, so you're listening to what's happening there. Charles, talk us through what's happening there. Go, Charles. Yep, Charles. Has him, just to confirm, I'm not near Mariupol, um, so it's important to get our, our positions correct, but uh, I'm in a town called Berdyansk. So he's in uh, Bernadansk. So uh, hey, 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 I'm, I was just going on what the other guy was saying. But anyway, let's go back to Al Jazeera. Um, Berdyansk is of huge naval significance for the Ukrainians. Behind me is the naval base. Now, we've heard reports yesterday from sources 
um, high up in naval command that this port um, the personnel had left um, we have come to the port we have spoken to people inside we've spoken to a couple of guards they have confirmed that they've said that there are only 10 people on this port in this port at the moment and they are just guarding it against looters they say that the ships are still here but all naval personnel bar those 10 guards have left now according to our sources who, who, who gave us this tip off yesterday they say that the reason they left is because the russian navy warned them that if they didn't abandon their positions and leave then the port would come under attack what I can also tell you is that around 100 kilometers to our west, which is in this direction, we've seen pictures that can confirm um, that Russian forces are on the ground in the town of Melitopol. We also know, according to the mayor of Mariupol, which is around 100 kilometers east, that there is ongoing fighting in the east of that city He's described what he says are saboteurs working in the city of Mariupol. Um, and he has offered free transport for people to be evacuated to leave that city. This kind of information confirms the worst fears of a lot of people that we've spoken to, and military analysts, that there seems to be a push by Russian forces, both from the west and from the east, to create this corridor that would effectively connect north of Crimea to separatist-controlled regions in the east, which is of huge strategic importance, for example, in securing water resources for Crimea that have been blocked since 2014. This situation, as you can see on the streets here, pretty much deserted, very quiet. We've seen no military anywhere, no police. Um, it seems as if things are developing very fast. So that's uh, Star Charles uh, Stratford. Uh, uh, in Bedansk. Um, I think I worked with Charles once um, on, a, on a story uh, years ago, years and years and years ago when I was still active. Uh, looks better off than I am. <laughs> Sorry, don't mean to make light of the situation. But that's all for me for now. It is uh, getting up near uh, sunrise here in New York City. And uh, I'm going to make myself some coffee. And I will be back with more as events warrant. Uh, of course, uh, Badas, the uh, naval base there, uh, is uh, basically been abandoned except for 10 guards to prevent looting. Very interesting. As Crimea is now basically joining, uh, joined um, the, the land borders of uh, Crimea and the uh, breakaway region uh, of Ukraine um, that, that is uh, being created by uh, this Russian invasion uh, appears to be uh, uh, solidifying. That's all for me for now. Michael New York, back with more as we get. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. <clears throat> I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? 
beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com. Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well, Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir. When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. Smartship.com, the way smart shipping is done. We take you back now to the auditions for Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, people, today we're auditioning the part of Captain Picard. Please read the line in the script, the guy in the bow tie. I'm John Luke Picard, Captain of the Enterprise. Thank you. You, sir, next guy. I am Gene Locke Thank Picard. Thank you. Okay, you, sir, bald guy. I'm John Luke Picard, Captain of the Enterprise. Hmm. Uh, bald guy? Yes? Do you get airsick at warp speed? Star Trek, the next generation. One hip starship. Week 9 7 on channels. <laughs> <laughs> 